Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Fox Nomad Podcast. I'm your host, Fox Nomad Anul Pallad. Welcome to this episode. We're going to catch you up on a couple of news items, some drinks you might not have heard about that are very, very illegal, but sort of not in Colombia. We're going to talk about why you can't do this very common thing in Japan when you eat your ramen noodles. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about what the TSA thinks about your peanut butter. You heard me right. And we also want to talk about air tags and the weird, weird, weird situation they have put one Texas man in. And we're going to start out with a little bit of AI. So I've got my buddy here. My buddy cannot really talk because I don't have my buddy hooked up to something that can speak. But I'm going to ask ChatGPT version 4 to write the introduction to the latest episode of the Fox Nomad podcast. So while that's happening, I just want to catch you up on a couple of uh, small news items. One, thank you for everybody who's been joining the live streams. They've been a lot of fun. I've had a blast doing them. We've got a couple more uh, for the Best City Tournament, which just ended. So when you are listening to this, it will be public that Singapore has beat Helsinki. Helsinki put up a crazy battle in the best city to visit travel tournament this year. It came out of nowhere. It was very, very surprising. It beat Seville. It got past Wellington, which were big favorites, and somehow made it all the way to the final, which is wonderful. And uh, now that we've sort of got past that, and we've gotten to the final. Sorry, I'm having some trouble with chat GPT here. All right, there we go. Um, <clears throat> so now that we've gotten to the final, Singapore, which was the winner from the past, you know, the last tournament was in 2020. But that was right as the pandemic was kicking off. So I never went to Singapore. It won. And now three years later, disconnected, it has won again with 71% of the vote. Helsinki came up with a little bit of a comeback there in the middle. I was tracking the votes, but it just wasn't going to get over Singapore. So congratulations to Lauren, who won $1,000. Uh, big congratulations to her. Thank you for nominating the city. Thank you for all of you who voted and participated and followed along and joined the live chats. Like I said, we've got a couple of live chats uh, live streams still ongoing. And if you are in Singapore, if you've been to Singapore, I might see you there. And if you have any recommendations, feel free to let me know on Twitter, Fox Nomad. All right. So before we get into the first news items, I want to play around a little bit with this chat GPT, who has now written the introduction to the podcast. So background music starts. So pretend that you're listening to the background music again, which is, by the way, the the music that I've been using for the intro since the podcast began is Particle House. So thank you very much to Particle House for lending your great music to the Fox Nomad podcast. We've got only, by the way, four episodes left. So let me get that out of the way. For this season, we've got four episodes left, which is not many. So we have, which always happens at this time of the year, we have we are scheduling like crazy. We are scheduling our guests. We are scheduling everybody and we've got four slots and a, and a lot to to cram into those last four slots so hopefully you're here for all of them all right now this is fascinating all right so let's go to the 
AI generated intro. So imagine you're listening to the intro like boop, boop, boop. no, it's do 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 do. Right. So that's the intro. And then it says the host, which it names me. Welcome, fellow digital wanderers and global citizens, to the latest episode of the Fox Nomad Podcast. I'm your host, Anul Pollat, and we're help here to help you travel smarter. I don't know who we is, but I'm here to help you travel smarter. All right, pretty good. In today's episode, number 97, look, I just told to write an intro to the podcast. It now knows that this is episode 90. Wait, this is not episode 97. No, no, no. That's wrong. We're like at episode 87. Yeah, it's off by 10. Anyway, we're diving into the ever-evolving world of travel technology, exploring cutting-edge gadgets, apps, and hacks that will revolutionize your travel experiences. We'll be talking to industry experts, developers, and seasoned travelers who have embraced the power of technology to make their journeys more efficient, safe, and enjoyable. But that's not all. We'll also be discussing the impact of these innovations on the future of travel, from sustainable tourism to the rise of remote work and digital nomadism. Plus, we'll get a sneak peek into some of the latest travel trends and predictions that will shape the way we explore our beautiful planet in the coming years. So grab your favorite cup of cup. Cup of cup. I'm sorry, that was just human error. So grab your favorite cup of coffee or tea, sit back and join us as we embark on another thrilling adventure in the world of travel technology. Welcome to the Fox Nomad Podcast, where we're all about blending our passion for travel with the latest tech to help you journey with confidence and ease. Music fades. Not bad. So now I'm going to give it a little bit more instruction and, and I'm going somewhere with this, so, so stick with me. So I'm going to tell in this same thread, please redo the introduction except uh, the topics in the episode, the episode will be, oh God, I got a spell check on here. The episodes will be passports, peanut butter, and air tags plus AI. All right, so now I'm going to have it redo that. All right, here we go. It's pretty quick. Welcome, fellow globetrotters and tech enthusiastic enthusiasts to the latest episode of the Fox Map podcast, yada, yada. It still thinks, by the way, this is me now. This is not the AI. It still thinks we're on episode 97, which we are not. I'm going to check right now. This episode 80, 88, no? Help me out here, guys. This is episode, this is episode number 90. Wow. All right. So we're in episode 90. Uh, it says we're going to talk about passports, peanut butter, and hair tags, all linked together with a touch of AI. We'll be talking to travel experts. And then it goes on. Actually, that's not really good. It just basically did the same intro, but added the things I told it to do. Now I'm going to say, uh, write an introduction to the Fox Nomad podcast latest episode in the style of Edgar Allan Poe. Now here's where things get kind of interesting. These are some of the things that you can do with chat GPT. This is GPT-4. There are a couple of different versions. GPT-4 is the latest version, which is supposed to give you more natural feedback and more natural AI. I did think about 
having it generate an entire episode completely AI, like my voice and everything, which can be done. Uh, I might save that for uh, another time. So I just want to give you a couple of examples. So uh, the reason I'm going through this is because I had recently, I had ChatGPT plan my next trip in the style that Fox Nomad would recommend. And it did, I don't know if you've seen that video, but it did a pretty amazing job. It was able to really come up with a fantastic itinerary for multiple countries. I gave it the budget, the days that I wanted to go, some things I wanted to see. And I didn't tell it anything about me. I just said, do something in the style of Fox Nomad. Here's my budget. Here's how many days I want to go. You know, how much time I have and so on. And oh, and find me a gluten-free restaurant there. And it did all of that. And this is all within seconds. So here you go. Here's the introduction to this episode in the style of Edgar Allan Poe as written by ChatGPT. Once upon a midnight dreary, as we wander, weak and weary, through the labyrinthine ways of travel's mysteries, welcome my fellow voyagers to the latest episode of the Fox Nomad podcast. I'm your host, Fox Nomad, Anul Polat, and together we shall descend into the unfathomable, fathomable depths of wanderlust. In today's episode, number 97, which is not number 97, our descent into the crypt of travel knowledge will reveal hidden secrets of a trifecta most strange. Passports, peanut butter, and air tags, all inter all entwined within the spectral web of artificial intelligence. We shall converse with the denizens of, of travel's shadowy realm, experts, innovators, and those restless souls who traverse the globe to uncover the arcane connections that bind those enigmatic elements. As the pendulum of our discourse swings, we shall first explore the macabre history of passports, those somber gatekeepers of international boundaries. Okay, pause for a second here, guys. I love that passports, the somber gatekeepers of international boundaries. I I love that. Okay, continuing. And the roles they play in our modern odysseys. Then we shall unearth the enigm enigmatic allure of peanut butter, that chimeric substance which sustains weary travelers upon their harrowing journeys. So gather close, my fellow sojourners, and hearken to the echoing footsteps of our foray into the obscure corners of travel's domain. Let us embark upon this dark adventure, <laughs> this dark adventure, with trepidation and curiosity, for within the shadows of the Fox Nomad podcast, we shall illuminate the unknown and embrace the phantasmagorical realm of travel. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Sounds way cooler than I'm going to be able to deliver, but I hope you enjoyed that. I think we're going to see a lot of change coming up with AI. It's it's changed a lot. I mean, I don't even, I've really kind of stopped Googling certain things. Like if it's a fact I'm looking for, I'll Google it. But if it's like, how do I do this setting in Final Cut Pro? Or how, what's the best way to, I don't know, run a fade on this effect or something like that? I'll just chat GT, GPT it and it gives me very detailed answers. Also, it's built into Bing if you have a Microsoft account that you have tied there. And uh, you can plan your next trip in the style of me. Pretty soon, uh, there won't be a need to be me, I think. I hope not. But it seems like that. All right. Let's break down some travel stories. Let's get into it. I don't know how dark and dreary this is going to be, but let's go through these one at a time and catch you up on the latest of the travel tech world. So let's talk about 
Passports, first thing, getting this out of the way. If you have a U.S. passport, the delay is right now four months and it's going to get worse. So the demand for international travel has surged in recent months. This is from CNBC. Uh, it says that there's a massive backlog of U.S. passport applications and it's taking as much as four months for routine passport applications. When you factor in the processing and mailing time, the delays are likely to worsen as we enter the summer, the State Department has said. So you need to also know that you need to renew your passport within six months of it expiring. And a lot of people don't know that most countries, when you're going, they require your passport to have at least six months of validity before you go. So typically, you know, when you're in that last year of your passport, you just want to go ahead and apply for a new one just to get it renewed, which makes me wonder, like I'm looking, looking at, you know, you should just check your passport now and just see when it's going to expire. And I'm <laughs> really glad that I did. <laughs> really glad that I did. And somebody sent me this article. And we are in 2023. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, renew your passports, everybody. No matter where you are in the world, if it's the last year of your passport, whatever passport you have, it's time to renew it. Um, so this is due to unprecedented demand in the U.S. The backlog has grown in recent months as Americans unleash pent-up wanderlust and take trips abroad they wouldn't have earlier in the pandemic. Uh, the State Department also has to restart positions that were reassigned or eliminated as passport demand cratered in 2020. He, a Secretary of State Blinken has told Congress last month that the demand is unprecedented and applications have been 30 to 40% above last year. Okay. While typically demand in this is seasonal, with the busy season running from March to late summer, it's basically full-time now, he added. The department received 500,000 applications during some weeks over the winter, a record for that time of the year, exceeding the State Department's official projections. As of March 24th, travelers in the United States waited an average of 10 to 13 weeks for processing of routine passport applications. It costs $130 to renew. There's additional $35 for first-time applicants. And if it's an ex expedited application, that costs $60 extra plus delivery fees, and it will still take six to nine weeks. If you apply by mail, it will be longer, so just do it online. And yeah, so it can take up to four months right now so just make sure that you get your passport uh, ready to go. Passports in the U.S. are valid for 10 years. They're valid for five years if you're under the age of 16. Those are the averages. Uh, make sure you check your passport. Obviously, it can vary. Um, and for if you're going to Europe, you need a passport that's valid for at least 90 days before you go to Europe. And that's all of Schengen. So that's all the 27 Schengen countries. Countries in Asia, Pacific, and Middle East generally require six months of validity to enter. Hong Kong, Macau, those require one month. And if you don't have a trip on the books yet, the article says, but your passport is going to expire sometime in the first half of 2024, I would just renew it now. Sally French, a travel expert at NerdWallet, suggests. There you go. All right. Renew your passport. It's going to take a longer time than you might be expecting. Uh, let's go into, let's stick with the theme of uh, U.S. travel right now. The TSA, this is from Food and Wine. The TSA says peanut butter is a liquid and people have feelings about it. Interesting. So I don't know how you feel about the 
what state of matter peanut butter is, but the TSA says it is a liquid. So according to this article, you cannot bring a jar of peanut butter through airport security. Why? Because according to them, it is a liquid, not a solid. Though this debate has raged on for some time, it was given new life last week when podcaster Patrick Nev attempted to take a jar of peanut butter through airport security. I tried to take uh, peanut butter through airport security, he wrote in a now viral tweet. TSA, sorry, no liquids, gels, or aerosols. And quote him, I want you to tell me which one of those things you think peanut butter is. Well, the TSA provided a rather, quote, sassy reply. You may not be nuts about it, but TSA considers your PB a liquid. In carry-on, it needs to be 3.4 ounces or less. The TSA wrote in the caption of an Instagram post, it then added the image that liquid has no definite shape and takes the shape of its container. And the article says, clearly it's never had thick and chunky peanut butter. Now, I remember back when I had physics class in college. This I, I was in a physics class. And the question about this came up with glass. Glass we think of as something solid, but if you look at the glass in cathedrals over many, 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 many years, the glass is thicker at the bottom than it is at the top. Glass does move very slowly. So is it a liquid or is it a solid? According to the TSA, I think they'd say it's it's a solid, but the jury might, might be out on that one. Uh, so yeah, so that's what they're saying. Uh, let's see. Uh, a couple of people replied to these tweets. Someone replied to that Instagram post and said, so do powders. Their shape is dictated by the container. Has anyone tried to drink peanut butter though? Would love to see how that goes because it is def because it is definitely not a liquid. Other commenters were quick to ask about potential loopholes. What happens if I use a whole jar of PB on a sandwich and I put that sandwich in a Ziploc bag? If I freeze, or if I freeze the peanut butter before my flight, can I bring it on board? However, one way to get your peanut butter through the TSA is simply have it in smaller containers. Um, you can bring it as long as it is 3.4 ounces or less. Uh, I don't know how much peanut butter that would be, but that seems like a lot of containers of peanut butter. Okay, so this commenter, the last one said, I just brought little individual 1.15 ounce packets of peanut butter to go. There you go. For my take on that is peanut butter is a solid. It is not a liquid. However, I do believe that it can depend, right? Some peanut butters are runnier than others. I think though, for the purposes of TSA, sorry guys, I think you could count as a liquid. Like if you have a jar of peanut butter, I think, you know, you could say that's a liquid. It would be like having a jar of jam. That would be a liquid, right? If we're going by the same logic. Yeah. Now we're talking about the viscosity. I mean, I think they just got to lay it down one way or the other. And I think they have. I think they've told us what it is. Let me know what you think. Is peanut butter a liquid or a solid? I'm going to go with, for the purpose of the TSA, it is a liquid. Because they've got to draw the line somewhere, right? I mean, if anything more liquidy than peanut butter is going to be a liquid. Seems like a lot of people, especially in America, are traveling with peanut butter. It's very popular in the United States. I think they got to draw the line at peanut butter. However, 
I think in the real world, peanut butter is considered a solid. That's what I would say. All right. Next news story. Tokyo ramen shops, this is from CNN Travel, Tokyo ramen shops ban customers from using their phones while eating. I wonder if all of you listening, unless you're on a treadmill or something, how many times you've looked at your phone while listening to this podcast. If you're driving a car, for the love of God, please stop looking at your phone. <laughs> Look ahead. Now, I do wonder this. Uh, how many times you looked at your phone while you're listening to the podcast? So, the story goes, in Japan's ramen restaurants, there's an unspoken rule, eat quickly and leave. One noodle shop owner takes the custom so seriously, he began timing how long his customers would take to start eating. He found that those who waited the longest amount of time to eat uh, usually were watching videos on their phones, leading him to take matters into his own hands. Kotakai opens, uh, Kotakai owns and operates Tokyo restaurant Dibuchan, Japanese for chubby. That's cute. Dibuchan, chubby. <laughs> I, uh, that sound, that's a great pet name, Dibuchan. Imagine like a little fat, little Dibuchan cat. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll celebrate his fifth anniversary in June. In March, he decided to ban customers from using the smartphones while eating during busy times. A uh, move that's become a hot topic of conversation in Japan. He says, once when we were busy, we noticed the customer didn't start eating for four minutes, adding that the customer was watching videos on his phone as he, the food cooled off in front of him. And he said, in most places, that wouldn't seem significant. However, uh, the ramen from the Hakata Prefecture in Western Japan says food, food born for impatient people. He says the thin noodles he serves are just a millimeter wide, so they begin to stretch and spoil very quickly, and waiting four minutes could result in a bad meal. I, look, I'm going to go with this. I'm, I'm going to say this is the right move. People are on their phones too much. Yeah, I said it. But also, enjoy the meal in front of you. Like, enjoy that. I know in Japan how seriously, and you've, you've listened to the episodes we've had on Japanese food, how seriously people take their food. Just take the time to enjoy the food at the peak. You know, when it's in the peak heat, the peak ingredients, the peak flavors are all there. Uh, you got to go with that. I mean, don't, you know, your phone, like you're just scrolling nonsense anyway. Uh, and if you're at Dibuchan, you won't be able to be on your phone. They only have 33 seats. And it's not unusual to have 10 people waiting in line for a seat at peak hours. And I remember this. I went to a very popular ramen place, a very popular uh, couple of restaurants I went to that were highly recommended. And there was a long line and people eat and get out real fast just because people are on the go in Japan and there's not a lot of sitting around and waiting. Also, the food is very carefully prepared. And yeah, so, you know, a lot of these places, especially sushi places around lunchtime, the more popular ones, you've got to get in and out. I mean, there's no time for you to like hang around, you know, like there's no time to stop and sniff the flowers. You got to eat and get out because they, they've got customers to serve. They've got fresh fish to cut. They've got a, a really short amount of time. He says that uh, at this restaurant, they don't uh, have any signs telling people to put their food away. Instead, instead uh, Kai goes to people and asks them in person, which kudos to him. I think that's the right way to do it. 
He said, I feel it's entertainment that is bound to include rules. It's like when a room do as the Romans do. Ramen is a form of entertainment. Debu Chan is not the first place to address smartphones while dining. A McDonald's outpost in Singapore ran a phone off, fun on campaign in 2017. They installed smartphone lockers where you could store your device while eating. And he stated the goal of people spending more time focusing on their children. And in 2021, Tokyo's Adachai Ward issued an ordinance against people using their phones while walking or riding their bikes. Look, I'm gonna tell you this right now. I actively work very dif difficult. I actively work very hard not to have my phone on me all the time. It is not easy. And when you get into doom scrolling, hey, I love YouTube shorts. Look, I get, I get into doom scroll too. It's really hard to get out of that. So I make sure that my phone when I'm working is not within hands, within arm's reach. For most of the day, there are some applications where I need it, like multi-factor and stuff like that. But just having it a little bit out of the way and not within eyesight. I just feel like otherwise it's so hard to get out of that addiction cycle with it. You're in your car and you see people at lights, like on their phone right away. It's like, it's very difficult to, to do. And if you're traveling, especially the less time you spend on your phone, the more you're going to remember when you are really, really old. You're not going to remember the stupid cat videos that you were doing. But you might remember Debu Chan was a great name. Chubby. I love it. All right. This is like a rapid fire episode, isn't it? All right, here we're going to go. This is a wild one. This freaks me out. Texas man claims find my glitch. Makes people think he stole their devices and he may sue Apple. I... I, this is from ABC News. I would love to see the tech behind this, but you know the Find My feature from Apple devices where you can, you know, track your MacBook, iPad, your phone, that. Well, a homeowner in Texas threatened to sue Apple after he says a glitch in the Find My app made people think he'd stolen their iPhones and other products. Scott Schuster took the Instagram and claimed people kept showing up at his house in Richmond, Texas, alleging the app is pinging people his home as the location of their devices. I have multiple videos of people very upset and accusing me of stealing their expensive devices, he wrote. When the Houston ABC news station, KTRK, uh, he told them that people had shown up in his home, which he's lived in since 2018, every few months for the last few years. He did not respond to ABC News's request for comment, which is odd to me. Um, but he did share some videos from his doorbell of angry people showing up, accusing him of having their items. People have threatened to call the police. He said, I tried to reach out to tech support and they just closed my ticket. He also reached out to Steve Wozniak, a co-founder of Apple, asking for his help. I wonder what the Woz had to say about that one. Um, let's see. There are no real details in this article, though. So since he's reached out to the press and Apple support many times since 2022, even filed a formal report, but he says nothing's been done. Quote, I don't trust humans to not show up drunk and outraged in the middle of the night looking for their iPhones or AirPods as has happened before. It creates dangerous scenarios and my house is in crosshairs. Apple did not respond to ABC News's request for comment. I will keep an eye on that one because I'm very curious as to what that is and what's going on and why it's pinging it. Like, is this house, you know, like when, when, like when I developed the Fox Nomad apps, why Fox drone mate? and the rest, which you can find on the iOS and Play stores for Android devices. If you want to get all the airport Wi-Fi passwords on your phone, updated in real time, well, that's Wi-Fox. Got also the drone laws around the world on DroneMate. 
So just go to Fox Nomad. Just Google Fox Nomad apps or go to the Play Store or iOS Store. Anyway, taking a minute aside from that brief, spontaneous advertisement, when you develop apps and you have location-based stuff like we do, you know, we, we use maps, uh, the, the default location is Cupertino. So when you're testing, basically it tests, it defaults to the Apple offices, right? Like in Cupertino. And later on, you've got to take it out of that default. I wonder if like somehow in Texas, that Richmond, Texas is like a default somehow. Like maybe the coordinates are like off by a digit from some other like default place that's in the middle of nowhere. I don't know. Interesting, but it's got to suck for that guy. I mean, I would be... Look, if I'm the guy, I'm pissed off because people are showing up. And if I'm the person showing up, I'm pissed off because I have no proof that this guy didn't just steal my stuff. So yeah, hopefully uh, we'll get some... We'll keep an eye on that. I have that tagged. So hopefully we can find out. Last thing I want to tell you about is Chica. Uh, Chicha, sorry. Chica has... No, Chicha. This is the banned drink of Colombia. So... There's a very long story about this in the BBC. It's fascinating. I highly recommend that you check it out. I'll leave it linked in the show notes. Um, so basically, this is a drink that has been banned in Colombia since the early 1900s. It is called chicha. It is an indigenous drink made from fermented corn that's popular everywhere in Latin America. However, uh, street vendors, you know, it's easy to find, but again, it is illegal. And it's just fermented. There's nothing weird in it. It sort of smells like beer, kombucha, and juice. And otherwise, it smells pretty innocent. It's been banned since the 1940s. Now, according to uh, tradition, it makes... Well, according the reason for the ban, well, at the time, was that it makes people ignorant and violent. And it said it's full of toxins when it's brewing. And it causes uh, machismo and a slow deterioration of the body and mind. And if you are found with it, they could lock you up for six months to a year. It doesn't seem to be very strongly enforced because in this article, I'm looking at literally at a guy whose cart says chicha on it and he's selling the stuff. So uh, it originally began when women would chew corn and spit mash into a clay bowl to start fermentation initiated by the saliva. They then buried the covered bowl underground to keep it cool. And two weeks later, after it was unearthed, it contained a thick, yellowish, mildly alcoholic concoction. That sounds pretty gross to eat other people's spit. Uh, however, they've updated the formula to not require human spit. Now, only the wise women of the community at the time were allowed to do it. because, And then the thinking was that they would pass their wisdom into the drink. Um, but that took a lot of time and effort and probably some people thought it might be a little bit gross. So, uh, basically there were only small quantities, but then, uh, they changed that now to grinding. So just instead of mashing and chewing, so they're just using an, you know, an automated process essentially by hand requiring no human spit. So people drink it from calabash shells and they carry it around and drink it. It is an alcoholic drink. The reason it is banned, which is really fascinating, is because of a beer rivalry. So essentially what happens is a German immigrant in, in 1889 starts the Bavaria Brewery in Bogota. 
Now, beer is also a fermented drink that a lot of people enjoy, but it's it's kind of a rival to the chicha. And so uh, his students uh, later vilified this chicha as toxic alkaloid and saying it produced, uh, you know, different types of fermentation that were a lot worse for you and that could create, you know, make you go crazy or do crazy things, all of that. And uh, so it basically got pathologized, saying in this article. And essentially, the belief is that the Bavaria Brewery had politicians with deep pockets, are in its deep pockets, and they ban chicha. And the slogan at the time, which is really interesting, is called No Mas Chicha, Consum Beer, which is No More Chicha, Drink Beer. Now, since then, chicha has been banned, and beer is very popular in Colombia, and all the chicha makers went underground. It's sort of like a prohibition for chicha. Now, there is really no talk about making chicha legal again, but it seems to the illegality is not enforced, uh, which also means that, you know, it's going to be difficult to find, you know, you've got some vendors, it might be a little bit difficult to find, but if you want to try something in Colombia that's a little bit risque, a little bit booze, and you're feeling a little bit, oh man, I couldn't, I couldn't rhyme it. I couldn't rhyme it. Um, Sorry. Anyway, yeah, I was going to ask ChatGPT, but I, I just couldn't get there. Bouze, risque, and fancy. <laughs> you can try Chicha next time you're in Colombia. Just uh, don't do it in front of the cops. All right. That's the episode for today. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoy uh, these episodes where we're catching up on a bunch of news. I hope you renew your passport so that you can go everywhere you want to go. Just make sure you check the validity. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for, like I said, the just participation during the Best City to Visit Travel Tournament. Thank you, Singapore, for winning. Big congratulations to Singapore and to Helsinki. You did a hell of a job exceeding all of our expectations. If you want to enter the Best City to Visit Travel Tournament next year, make sure you sign up for the Fox Nomad newsletter. Just go to foxnomad.com. You will find it. It's under the About link. And if you have any questions, you can always tweet at me and I'll let you know where to sign up for those things and you might win a thousand or more dollars next year. But until the next episode, I hope you have a great rest of your day. 